0: On this week's episode of Where We Are, we have a special guest, Pastor Chris Butler. So happy to have Chris on this week. We talk about this past Tuesday's mayoral election in Chicago, but also uh, Chris is just one of the most trusted voices in my book on faith and politics generally, and so we, we zoom out and talk about all the things. You're listening to Where We Are. This is where we are. We are the wares. I'm Michael.
1: I'm Melissa.
0: Melissa. So, we, uh, it's the end of the week. Yeah. So, you know, I will be honest. The Chicago election snuck up on me. Yeah. No, I woke when up you Tuesday told me it happened, I was like, oh, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it did not sneak up on our guest. Absolutely. Not. Uh, and so Chicago we brought a lunch Chicago's own uh, uh, Pastor Chris Butler. So, we thought it would be a great opportunity uh, Chris and I were texting about the election, and he texted me something I won't sort of talk about it here. But he texted me something that I was just like, as per usual, that's so fresh, that's so insightful. We gotta have, uh, we gotta have him on to to talk about it. And so we did. Um, and so the bulk of this episode will be interview with Chris. Just a little preview next week's episode. We have kind of an audio grab bag It'll situation. It'll be a new format for us. A new format for us.
1: We'll try it out. You can tell us if you like it.
0: You can tell us if if you like. Um, I I think part of what it will be. It won't all be presidential politics, but I do like the idea, Melissa. Mm-hmm. of and I haven't told you this yet. Okay. But I do like the idea, of every week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Having a clip or two from the presidential campaign trail, okay, as just like a way for folks to follow the presidential race, how mm-hmm. it's developing. Okay, have a bit of a history in presidential campaigns. Can break it down for folks. What's what's going on? And so we'll we'll start that next week. Uh, All
1: right, I like the idea.
0: I told you on air, so that would yeah. be very difficult for, <laughs> for you me to, to say you know, that I don't, because
1: I know that I'm going to be the one procuring many clips. Doing the clippage.
0: You will be the the clip procurer. Clipmeister. All right. Uh, Melissa, what can you tell the people about Pastor Chris?
1: Yeah. So Chris is the senior leader of the Chicago Embassy Church Network and has been involved in a lot of efforts to improve educational equity in Chicago. He serves as the founder and executive director of Parent Power Chicago, as well as the, he is the founder of the Chicago Peace Campaign, which organizes churches and other faith-based institutions to, peace, uh, to build peacemaking networks in local communities. He is also on the executive team for the ANN Campaign. He co-wrote with Justin Gibbety and Michael um, the book Compassion and Conviction. Chris also ran for U.S. Congress this past year, and you'll hear us talk about what he learned from that experience in our interview right after this commercial break. You're listening to Where We Are. It's spring, which is my all-time favorite season. I love thinking about airing out our house, cleaning every nook and cranny, and thinking about ways to refresh our comfiest spaces. There's nothing quite like a fresh start, and what better time to freshen things up inside, too? Brooklinen has the home essentials that you need to step up your space and step into a new season. And if you get overwhelmed with overhauling your space, don't stress. Brooklinen's bundles put everything you need in one place. They have options for bed, bath, or both. Even better, when you bundle, you save time and money. That's what we have currently, a sheet set and comforter bundle in cream luxe sateen, and frankly, they're the best bedding we've ever had. Shop online at brooklinen.com for a home refresh at its best. For a limited time, get $20 off plus free shipping on orders over $100 with code WEAR. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N dot com, code W-E-A-R for $20 off. And for all those looking to see and feel the comfort in real life, you can now shop Brooklyn in sheets, towels, and more in person by visiting a store near you.
0: Reverend Chris Butler, the pastor, the one and only, welcome to where we are.
2: Hey, I'm so uh, honored and excited to be on here with you guys.
0: I mean, we we have, uh, uh, it, it's it's good to be podcasting with you again. Uh,
2: uh,
0: Chris is a man of many roles. One of them is, uh, he's the co-host of the Church Politics Podcast with, our friend Justin Gibney and love that podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, but it's it's good to it's gonna be podcasting with you again. Uh someone who
2: you have podcasted with, Melissa.
1: No, you have not podcasted with
2: <laughs> podcasters with you, but I'm I'm excited to do so.
1: <laughs> yes, same here. Yeah, so I'm gonna jump in because we're sure that a bunch of our listeners will know exactly who you are and are probably big fan- fans, but some of them might not know you. So could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, and especially if you want to tell folks about your congressional run this past year?
2: Yes, so you know, I'm, uh, I'm a pastor. First, of all. I'm a pastor in Chicago. I'm a pastor of Chicago with the Church Network. Um, I've been doing that for. Seven years, and before that, I was um, involved in, in poli- politics and, and civics. I ran a public affairs consulting firm uh, in Chicago and Philadelphia called Citizen Consulting Group. And uh, so, a, a lot of that kind of background in ministry and politics comes together in my work at the End Campaign, where I'm on the executive committee and host the um, co-host of the Church Politics podcast with Justin Gidney, Um As Michael just said. Uh, and even though I've tried to block that part out, I did run for Congress, uh, in 2020 in the Democratic primary in the first district of Illinois. Um, and really the, the thought behind that was to take a lot of what we, uh, talk about and write about and train mm-hmm. about in the, and campaign, uh, and kind of bring it into the arena, um,
3: yeah.
2: and see how that type of politics fleshes itself out, um, in, you know, a, a real election. I started out mm-hmm. in that campaign, uh, sort of a one-on-one campaign against a uh, a thirty-year incumbent, yeah. And you know, really saw a, a clear path there because uh, I think that incumbent was uh, kind of broadly viewed as sort of untouchable. But there are a lot of things uh, in uh, the layers uh, that indicated that might not be true. We mm. forgot to assess the fact that. One other person might be thinking the same thing I was thinking, which was the congressman himself uh who resigned <laughs> from the from the seat and uh the race turned into a a, a totally different dynamic with twenty yeah. uh different candidates and millions and millions of dollars uh and wow. so we we did well, I still think in the primary <laughs> we we didn't finish behind anybody who didn't spend at least a million dollars more than us um and uh, so, and we beat a couple of folks who did spend that much money. Uh, everybody who finished in front of us were, was a, a already elected politician in the area, uh, or the son of Jesse Jackson, godson of Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> uh,
0: I, Chris, I you, I've said this before in private settings. Um, obviously, it wasn't. the the outcome of that race that we were hoping for. But I think the model you set, Mm -hmm. the fact that you, um, I know some candidates with wonderful intentions when they get in, they're going to set a different example. They're tired of our broken politics, et cetera, et cetera. And then some consultant sort of grabs hold or they start to think, you know, maybe uh, uh, if if I if I if I play if I play the tune during the campaign, maybe if I get into office, then that's when I could really be distinctive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, brother, I was more proud of you at the at the end of the campaign than I was at the beginning, and I was really uh, um, amazed and impressed and in awe of you in the beginning, and so. What did you learn? Are the about sort of um, the impediments and the benefits of running the kind of campaign that you ran? And do you think that uh, do you think that it it is a model that can be successful with uh, with um, Uh, over time or, or Mm -hmm. is your takeaway from that campaign, Uh, you know, you can feel good about running, but, but the, the incentive structure is so perverse that, that you, that you can't, you can't, uh, you can't win without sort of playing the kind of games that folks play.
1: Yeah,
2: no, it's um, a good question. First, I'll I'll just say that it is um, it's extremely humbling to, uh have any compliment from you because i look up to you in this uh space a ton Uh, i i think i come away from the campaign though really feel like you can definitely win uh with this type of politics um you know because we got into the race almost a year before um the the election first off i think a lot of what we researched in the initial race uh was great and it was smart uh Mm -hmm. we uh, we predicted a lot of things rightly, uh, and you know we we got out there and we talked to a lot of people and found that a lot of people responded well to the message. But when mm-hmm. it comes down to elections in those last few uh, weeks of the of the campaign, there's so much of that 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 just goes to to organized people, right? So yeah. people can be responding kind of emotionally to a message, but. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it as kind of um, I'm blanking on on the right word, but uh, it's, it's like tracks that are laid, you know, in terms of yeah. institutions and, uh, you know, organized people. And do you have precinct captains and are folks, mm-hmm. you know, who's endorsing who? All those types of things start to move people in a certain direction. And I think if there are enough folks who devote to this type of politics, and begin to organize around it on an ongoing basis.
3: Yes, uh, yeah,
2: you can definitely win with this type of politics because the messaging works. But there's there's so much more, as you know, to win in mm-hmm. an election than just a, a good message.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was um, it it was great to see all the different kinds of audiences that we're hearing from you, like the coalition that you that you that you built. It did seem to me to be sort of evocative of a of a model that I think a lot of folks were watching and 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 think hey I want to take that up in 24 or in a in a, yeah. in a in a future cycle uh there yeah, there, or, are, there, are, uh, there are folks
2: yeah. just throw throw away like there there are a number of folks right who uh were part of the campaign who reached out post the campaign so you know, hey this campaign really inspired me Uh, Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm I'm very proud of is that a couple of those folks just ran for alderman on Tuesday night. um, And one of them is in a runoff, Uh, you know, so we'll see how how she does. But those are the types of things that start to change, you know, politics over the long term.
0: Yeah, for sure. Hey, you you referenced the election uh, earlier this week. Uh, So citywide. Uh, elections aldermen elected across uh across the city also a major mayoral election um that will be heading to a runoff but the incumbent mm-hmm. will not be in that runoff uh, can you give folks a bit of an overview yeah. of 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 the election and and what the runoff what the runoff looks like?
2: yeah so you know for for anybody who who doesn't know uh chicago had its municipal elections on tuesday uh the incumbent mayor Lori lightfoot uh who you know broke onto the political scene four years ago came out of nowhere uh to finish first in the first round uh of balloting and then won every single ward um in the city uh in in the in the runoff election uh Tuesday, she finished third overall and won't make the runoff, uh, which is uh, in some ways stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, you know, I'd I tell people over and over again, and, and some folks didn't believe, but it was hard for me to see how she did make the runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was it was it was always headed this way. I think she ran a, a as best a campaign as she possibly could, I guess, at least in the oh, last few weeks. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's the way she governed over the course of the four years of being in there. That yeah. It was hard for me to see how she had a a path to getting into the runoff and getting reelected.
0: And so, sh- uh, so instead of, I mean, Light- Mayor Lightfoot will basically be watching this play out from from the sidelines and, uh, uh, but there is a runoff. Um, It's the former Chicago Public School CEO, Paul uh, Vallis. Mm -hmm. uh, And he ran proposing a huge expansion of law enforcement, wanted to hire 2,000 more cops. Uh, The the other candidate, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson is, grassroots organizer, former educator as, as well, but, um, but uh, an advocate for social workers uh, to, to replace police officers in certain circumstances. And so it seems like uh, crime seems like sort of this moderate, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of the daily wing of the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, much more about Chicago politics, but it strikes me as like, the daily wing of Chicago politics versus sort of this this new, younger, justice-oriented, um, uh, more progressive uh, sort of side of the Democratic Party. Of course, a lot of people are already talking about how the race is something of a microcosm for whatever division there is in the Democratic Party, though, mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of just speak to that, like how live of an issue is is the democratic divide, party divided both in Chicago and nationally? And, and how do you make sense of these sort of uh, th- this sort of split over crime, law enforcement um, and, and how do you think it's going to play out in the race?
2: Yeah. I, th- I think crime is first off crime is something that is touching the lives of, you know, every person uh, in yeah. the city of Chicago uh i think that the way the runoff sets up uh first it speaks to uh the the problem that mayor lightfoot had right because you had paul valis ran to the right of her and brandon johnson ran to the left of her and throughout her um her tenure as as mayor a lot of people talk about her kind of abrasive style i don't think it was the abrasive style um because there's never been a mayor in my lifetime that didn't have uh, a very abrasive style and you know would you know curse people out throw stuff yeah. around the room all that kind of thing yeah. um the problem is she she was that way with everybody she didn't make any friends um you know she would mm-hmm. do that to progressive she would do that to centrist um she would do that to business folks social justice people you know she would go at it with the the business owners on the mag mile and then you know two weeks later you know a ctu strike and and so you got to have some kind of i don't know uh network of people that you consider your base that you're going to uh play nicely with like you know I i know right like rom can be rough but i've also seen him turn on the charm
3: uh, Mm -hmm.
2: in certain situations in four years, including the and campaign hosted a, a candidate forum two weeks before election day. Right. Yep. And even there, like, the mayor was just like very cold. I mean, and if you can be like cold to to with like Charlie Dates, right. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a problem. I mean, it is like <laughs> nicest person in the world. Um, yeah. And so it's uh, I, I think it was that kind of thing um and so Ah. you do have this runoff now uh that's very very interesting because you have two candidates that could not be more different um you know one is older and white one is younger and black one is uh like super pro police uh one is you know a quote unquote defunder self uh avowed um and so you really get and i I wrote about this uh on the in campaigns uh, sub stack a uh, few weeks ago because uh, I really felt like Chicago is going to be able to make a real choice right yeah. what kind of way forward uh, do we want and that choice is going to be very very stark in this runoff mm-hmm. um, I think there are lots and lots of people and uh, you know across communities I've heard people talk about uh, you know already you know kind of like the racial coalitions and that type of thing and some of that will hold, mm-hmm. but if you look at those coalitions and the way they split, they're, they're even enough where I think this crime question uh, and how people are feeling about that is going to, I think, going to be a very deciding uh, factor. And if yeah. you go around and talk to folks, you know, I, I think about the uh, there's an elder in my church uh, who's I mean, I think he's like seventy five years old now. I grew up in the South, um, came to Chicago as an adult, Vietnam vet, um, you know, bought a home in a neighborhood that was at the time solid, middle clad, uh, African American neighborhood, and now uh is facing a ton of crime. And, you know, if if I had to guess it, I would think he'd be going in Valence's direction, right? Right. Um mm-hmm. because there's there's a real sense in some of the police reform world, which is funny because this this is kind of where I come from. It's like the more social justice police yeah. reform. I was yeah. I was doing police reform work when I was like 15 years old. Yeah, but there's a sense today that some of that has gone the way of of kind of excusing crime uh, and mm. making victims out of perpetrators. Um, you know. Over-explaining mm. a lot of crime through the lens of kind of poverty and mental health, and at some point that stuff breaks down because if if you're this elder in my church and you grew up in the south, and I mean nobody's gonna tell you anything about poverty or
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know uh, you know he's a Vietnam vet, nobody's gonna tell him about trauma. You know, and uh, it's, you know, it's like uh, yeah,
0: yes, yes.
2: I never went out and carjacked somebody. Right. right. That's his framework. And so yes. that doesn't explain it away for folks like that. So right. it, it, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting time.
1: Yeah. I mean, to continue on with that, with the, the idea that this is sort of a microcosm, you as a voter or you, I mean, um, having run for Congress and, you know, you, you, ha- you ran your, your, your race in a certain way, like how it, for our listeners, because I feel like a lot of them are constantly navigating conversations where, you know, one side is like, you know, has a very clear view on any given issue and not the other side, even within a party rather than even both parties,
3: mm-hmm.
1: constantly having to battle with a, how do I choose? How do I parse through this? You know, what is sort of just, a, you know, a campaign slogan and what is actually real? What is policy? That sort of thing. How are you starting to break down this police reform issue as a voter now that you know this runoff is happening?
2: Yeah, you know, honestly, you know, I've been texting with people, you know, incessantly over the last twenty-four hours. Yeah, Yeah. and I would, I would like to see some willingness to move from, uh, from one of these guys, right? Mm -hmm. Because if if Brandon Johnson can't demonstrate to people that he's going to take crime seriously um and and that is not enough to say well we're going to invest in youth programs and you know open mental health clinics. I don't think people are opposed to investing in youth programs or open the mental health clinics, yeah. but people also want that guy that's like standing across the street I'll tell you and, and like this happened to me personally for real I live mm-hmm. outside chicago twenty first Ward, and there was a night there were about I would say about 50 kids, you know, uh, 18 to maybe 25 showed up on the block, you know, in all these cars that had a literal party in the middle of the street. And as far as I can tell, still today, they weren't associated with anybody who lives on the block. They just chose this spot. We're close to a park. And they chose this spot to do their thing. At one point, two of these kids were literally standing on top of my car. And Mm -hmm. we called the police about six times that night and nobody ever came
3: wow when you go
2: through something like that which too many people in chicago have and you know had that experience been stopped at a at a traffic light because somebody's drag racing you know too many people have had these types of experiences for you to just say you're gonna invest in youth programs right like yeah for sure yeah you you need to pull some of these folks off the street at the same time you know as as a as an African-American man living in Chicago, I think about the time when my wife's car broke down. Uh, we were passionate in Hyde Park at the time, uh, which is, you know, a kind of well to do neighborhood. Her car mm-hmm. broke down, uh, down the street from the church. We're waiting for the triple A and the cop shows up and is like barking orders, cursing yeah. at us, even after I identified myself as the pastor of the church down the street. Yeah that, that maybe made him go up. Yeah. You know, so you want to hear Paul Vallis yes. say something to indicate right. that you're not going to just allow yes. police officers to run roughshod over yeah. the community, because there are mm-hmm. plenty of us who are law abiding, who are law abiding citizens, who live with in a little bit of terror, as it is related to the police. And so you want to, you want to hear him move in that direction. And right now, I don't think on the crime issue, anybody is like super, I don't I think either one of these, these these candidates right now embody a fulsome approach. And yeah. I think the one who moves the best is going to be able to win the election.
3: Yeah.
0: Right. And this is like, there are so many analogs to just this kind of decision. hmm And... It seems like in some moments in our politics, the mood among strategists is yeah, to move to the middle for a general. It mm-hmm. does seem like we've been in like a decade um, of where the judgment is. Do you know what? You move to the middle, you're not going to win anyone from the other side, and you're gonna you're gonna um, you're gonna suppress your own vote. People aren't going to yeah. be as motivated to vote for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moving on from like the crime discussion and and moving more to just like vision of mm-hmm. our politics uh, more broadly, uh, how, how do how do you make the case for a political approach that is more fulsome that does uh, that that uh, that does recognize merit even when it's even when it's uh, m- maybe uh, merit for the, for your opponent's argument, um, Mm -hmm. how do we get to a politics where you are able to say true things without, without giving up your conviction? I I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a compassion and conviction. I don't know if that phrase, (laughs) I don't know if that phrase is familiar to you, but,
3: uh, yeah. yeah, What
2: what do you say about that? Yeah. My sort of, uh, Praise or whatever over the last several years has really been organized in the middle. Um, like mm-hmm. that's that's why I'm so deeply invested in things like uh, like the AM campaign and, and other projects like that because at some level, like I talked about with my campaign,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, strategists and candidates are trying to win an election, and if the people who have you know precinct captains and door knockers and can set up a phone bank and raise some money are on the fringes, they're gonna dictate a lot of um, of what happens with candidates and with campaigns. And I think yeah. on, on the long-term, and this is you know, one of the things I've been texting to a lot of people here in Chicago, like yes, Brandon and Paul, and they're gonna do their thing, but mm-hmm. probably the most important thing uh is for us to to organize ourselves uh use this as an opportunity as people are paying attention to bring like-minded people together to have conversation build relationships yeah. uh so that over the course of whoever becomes mayor because that i just don't know that either person is gonna is gonna present as ideal to those of us who are in this kind of compassionate conviction space yeah um, because, you know, if if as I talked about all that stuff that I would like to see happen, but if I if I had to put money down, I would say that both of these guys run toward their base.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: you know, and, and I think that's because right now the end campaign in Chicago can't go uh, to somebody and say, you know, here's our questionnaire and we've yep. got this 50,000 person database. Right. A hundred churches who march in, in lockstep. And turn voters out to the polls, and this is what this is what our voters want to hear. Yes. Right? And so
3: mm-hmm.
2: the the kind of soft power of of compassion, conviction, messaging, I think has to be paired with the hard power of yeah. of, of organizing and doing real political work, um, which is is something that we have to learn and train people because it's it it can feel a little bit weird. Like I think about growing up, I started hanging around community organizers when I was 12 years old. And, For you sure. know, it's a, it's a culture of like, you know, smoking a lot of cigarettes. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, swear words going around. And, and if it's going to be like a church driven space, like you gotta have like a, 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 a fruit of the spirit kind of culture.
3: Yeah. That yeah. still
2: does the work. Like yeah. you've got to have a mailing list. You still got to be able to set up a right. phone bank and raise yes. money, and and do that work. And that was probably the biggest um, takeaway that I had from from my congressional campaign is that yeah. you can actually do it culturally that way, and and actually get out there and do the work. Because the way we finished in the congressional race, um, you know, we we didn't even crack I don't think three hundred thousand dollars over the course of the whole campaign. And we were beating people who spent a million dollars, yeah, in two wow. months, you know. Wow. And, um And it was all about volunteers, ground game, being able to build that type of thing. And so, I, I said a, a lot there, but
3: no, no. the way you
2: do that is you you got to have like the 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 happy warrior vibe, go out there and build some organization in some of these uh, in some of these cities. 'Cause that's ultimately what changes politics.
0: Yeah. So important. And for folks listening, like um I I think so often the impulse is, man, our politics driven to the extremes. Uh it's so so ugly. Um if I you know, the message I I, I wanna send the message that I'm not okay with this, so I'm mm-hmm. gonna withdraw and all I'll, I'll sort of like starve politics of my attention and my time. And the argument that, that that I've made that, that we make is that that is, that actually reaffirms the very yeah. things that you don't like. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what Chris is offering here is no, it's actually you, you, it, the, the, the reason why the extremes are so dominant is because they're doing the things that Chris just talked about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, um, it's so th- that needs to be countered and it's not going to be politics is about representation. So there are some things like, um, sometimes in different, in different, like marketplace environments, like economics, you withdraw your money. And sometimes mm-hmm. that will change things. Politics isn't like this. They're on, they're not counting on the votes that aren't made. They're only, they're only dealing with the, vi- with the votes that are cast. Okay. Uh, and when, so when I
2: ran for office in that primary, we had 16% turnout.
0: Yep, yep.
2: You can withdraw all you want to. You just leave it to that 16% of of Um, the electorate is still going to decide because that's how our system works. Like somebody's got to go to Congress. Right. Um, And if only 16% of the people decide to vote, then they get to decide who goes to Congress. Yeah. Um, We're not going to cancel the election because (laughs) you don't vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Melissa may have something I just have one more question for you and it's um, you you know uh, you're one of the greatest coalition builders I I know Uh, and you're also some one of the reasons for that is that um, you're certainly able to talk about what you've accomplished you're able to to build you ran a campaign for Congress. You're not sort of like shy about your own capabilities, but I think something that is going to be necessary for younger folks to to build things of meaning and something that frankly, I think we've seen obviously, there are wonderful examples and mentors and 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 folks in. Older generations—they have set a good example, but I did just want to talk with you a bit about how important um, partnership and tr- and support of one another is,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and focusing on mission rather than platform building and personality and all these things. Like I have so much hope about for. Gen Z, I have so much hope, frankly, for like 40 and under and like, like, but I think the one thing that makes it fall apart is if we buy into some of the scarcity mentality, some of the constant competition mentality that happens. And, um, and, and so I, I just wanted to sort of like put, put that, that out. And I, honestly, I don't know about you, but I find like people are always surprised, uh, or, or. I should not say always surprised but it's it's like when uh uh when people hear like oh like um and campaigns working with Center for Public Justice and mm-hmm. Justin Gibney uh is supportive of dates and dates is supportive of Gibney and Butler is supportive of Lisa Fields and Lisa mm-hmm. like the uh so I just want you to just reflect on the importance of partnership in movement building and and, and why like uh and on the dangers of competition, both from a movement building perspective, but maybe even as a pastor too.
2: Yeah, I mean I I think that movement building is the is the is the best way, I won't say it's the only way, but it's probably the best way to create cultural and civic change um and at its essence movement building is coalitional um because no one person can become a movement right like Mm -hmm. a person Mm -hmm. can can become a brand yeah um but not a movement right and ultimately what you need is not a lot of followers you need a lot of partners Right mm. um, and so if if you're only ever concerned about your followers, then you uh, want to build a movement because you need partners and the and the essence of a partner is that they have to bring things to the table that you don't bring right? like mm. I always say um you know if 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 both of us are exactly the same, one of us is completely unnecessary right <laughs> yeah. um, and so you want people who do different things, who have a little bit different emphasis, um, a little bit different uh skill set and be able to to work together if you're going to be effective um in creating change. I mean we I I point out you know, we started this talking about Lori Lightfoot. If if there's one thing that Lori Lightfoot did that made her lose Tuesday's election, it happened before she was ever sworn into office. Right. Because she was endorsed by Willie Wilson and Willie campaigned hard for her in black churches, which t- 2019 black folks in Chicago did not know Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, Willie Wilson. And he said, let's go with Lightfoot yeah. before she ever got into office. She cut him loose. And a, a lot of folks look at Willie Wilson, you know, well, why did he run? Yeah, I don't want to put words in, in Dr. Wilson's mouth. I would never do that. Uh, I respect the man too much. But I don't think Willie Wilson necessarily came into this thinking that he was about to become uh, mayor of Chicago. I think that he had it in his mind that he was going to make sure Lori Lightfoot didn't get reelected. And I think if, if Willie Wilson's not in this race, she's probably in the runoff. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he pulled like 10 percent. Right. Or, or you know, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right around 10 percent. And yeah. if, if that goes over to Lori, I mean, it was all in the black community. Where she mm-hmm. did search toward the end, and if that they're goes probably older, older to so your
0: point about the age differential, probably the the, old, the o, older, older black church. Yeah, that that oh yeah, that's so interesting.
2: And so, I'm 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 always you know I I think that that politics is 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 a game of addition, right? And um, I'm trying to keep as many relationships as as possible uh, if. You know, obviously, there are going to be people whose whose politics just don't align, who step out and do something completely ratchet. Um, But for the most part, we should be trying to find ways to be together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like you referenced, I think that a lot of what we have in our culture doesn't necessarily teach us that skill. Uh, But it's one of the reasons why I think it's so important in the church because yeah. the text of scripture still teaches us that skill. Um, yeah. And if, if we let that influence us a little bit more than culture, um, I think that that kind of body dynamic, uh, that, that sense of unity, a, and a unity that rejects uniformity, right? Like that's what I love mm-hmm. about the yeah. scripture. Like it, it proactively rejects uniformity. It doesn't, not only does it not call for it, it rejects uniformity. Um, it's it's a unity of different types of people coming together to uh, to achieve goals that are really higher than any one person uh, or any one institution.
0: Yeah, Melissa, anything you want to close with?
1: I just want to ask you in Chicago politics and movement building, you know, post campaign for you, what's something that's giving you hope or something that's you know helping you look to the future.
2: Yeah, I mean certainly I would say um like the the end campaign uh work that we're doing the the work that you all are doing um you know uh Michael talked about Center for Public Justice as as a movement builder. I'm I'm hopeful because I do see um a movement being built. Um yeah. and I, and I guess what I would say to folks who are part of it is to be encouraged because movements don't stand up overnight um right. but i mean michael just kind of talked about it but there is this the connectedness and the relationships uh are are being established and, and folks actually finding um you know sort of important lanes to support the overall movement you know like having having an institution that contends for the effectiveness of like of, of Christian literature in the public square, mm-hmm. yeah. like that's, that's a lane and that's something that needs to be celebrated, supported, pushed forward, um, because it's part of the, the broader movement. Um, you know, all, all of it coming together. And so that's what gives me hope is that both at the local level, you know, we, we did a candidate forum in this my race. Like we, there were, there's not a candidate who's like, yeah, I'm the end campaign candidate but mm-hmm. i talked to several of those candidates you know we had a larger turnout than most of the the uh the candidate forums our our deal was was super professional um compared to a lot of the other ones
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know and and so it, it, this activity is happening um this podcast is is evidence of of a movement being built across this country And i think that's what uh has given me hope is that uh you know, there are people who are doing the work and, um, you know, it, it's building. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. there's going to be like a compassion and conviction type Democrat in, uh, city council, um, in Chicago come April. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it, 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 no, that's ex- progress. Yeah, yeah that's, that's
1: wonderful. That sounds great to me.
0: Hey, um, I am always glad to partner with you, brother. Uh, 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 and would urge folks to pick up Compassion and Conviction, the book uh, that Chris and I worked on with Justin Gibney. Would urge mm-hmm. folks to check out and Campaign, and it's it's Ivy, right? The the new the new uh, the new effort out of out of and. is that right? Ivi, yeah, yeah, I, Ivi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and Campaign's got a great new docu series that's out. I believe it's on episode two, but. Yeah. Um, you to check out the anti campaign stuff and uh chris folks can follow you on social at chris the citizen right
2: yeah chris yeah.
0: the citizen at chris That's the, the
2: citizen A- any
0: anything anything else uh, folks should know about to to stay in touch with you and keep
2: up with your work um nah, just follow me there on on twitter Follow me on on facebook you yeah, know we we're doing what we do you know i'm i'm uh <laughs> Keeping my hat down trying to do the work, man. Yeah. Love it, man. Hey, thanks for taking the time to be Thank with you. us.
0: Love having you on. And, uh, and we'll be we'll be texting as this runoff
2: comes closer. Yes, indeed. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be on with y'all. Thanks, brother. Thank
1: you.
0: I hope... Uh, you enjoyed that conversation with Chris Butler as much as we did. Uh, again, I just think the world of of that man, and so glad to to have him on the show.
1: Yeah, Chris is great. I mean, truly, that was our first conversation ever, so it was.
0: That's crazy. That's wild.
1: Yeah, isn't it? Because you've you've worked with him for so long. Wait, yeah.
0: you've never met Chris in person?
1: No, I mean, Chris can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm like nearly That's certain.
0: wild. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I had just kind of assumed because I've worked with him for so long.
1: Yeah, no, I met, I've met a lot but of people. You know, since.
0: now that you say it, like, I've probably only been in person with Chris like seven or eight times. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was great to have on the pod. He, he is doing such excellent work in all the various capacities in which he serves. And he's someone that I like unabashedly. Uh, say without reservation, uh, I hope he uh, continues to gain new capacities in which to serve. I just think the yeah. world of him. So
1: it's just amazing how he works. He, you know, he can analyze national politics. He can tell you about, you know, city of Chicago's politics. He's on the ground, actually, in communities in Chicago. Serving in multiple capacities, I mean, he's and like pastoring. a pastor's pastor. He's a pastor's pastor. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, yeah, no. It's, it's rare to find someone like him, actually.
0: Yeah. Um, so glad we were able to share him with you. For those who did not already know about Chris, and for those who did, uh, I know there was some Twitter chatter, uh, and uh, yeah, it was definitely we've, definitely we've family had, reunion. We've time, had a lot sure. of
1: people in the survey request uh, that there be. a a um a reunion
0: Uh, yeah so well well, I think more reunions to come for sure but that was a good one hint hint but but that was a good one All right, Melissa that's our episode for the week you know we have like a so with the Center for Christianity and Public Life we have our Public Life Fellowship Retreat this Mm -hmm. coming week and so for that reason Melissa is I think we mentioned in the previous episode Melissa's taking the girls uh, on a trip and so we'll have morning five episode on Monday and Tuesday
1: Um yes
0: and then uh, and then we're going to take a couple day break but we'll be with you for an episode of Where We Are next weekend going to try this audio grab bag situation yeah. we'll see how it works out until then you've been listening to Where We Are
1: bye